As we stand in this room today, I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Our text today will be in Luke 9 and 10. You've found your place to hear the word of the Lord from Luke 9, verse 59. Luke 9, 59. Then he said to another, follow me. Today is a great day for another to follow Jesus. Every day is a great day for another person to follow Jesus. Today is a great day for those of us who follow Jesus to seek to understand more deeply, to follow with more understanding, to follow with more joy and passion. Today is a great day to follow Jesus. Let's pray. Our good and our holy God, we thank you so much for this Lord's Day. We thank you for a chance to share a table of fellowship. We thank you for a chance to come to this place and study with one another, share our hearts and share our lives. We thank you for gathered worship across generations. We thank you that in this place, Lord, you meet with us because we gather in your name. Lord, we thank you for a chance to sing and to pray and to give and to greet. We thank you for your word that speaks. We thank you, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you make the word a word for us, for the living of these days, for the challenges of this moment. And for this, Lord, for your, for your eternal relevancy, Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise. And we humbly, Lord, but boldly confess that we need you in this and in every hour. We live, Lord, not by bread alone, but by the words that come from your mouth. And so, Lord, we're hungry today for a word. And we ask you, God, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts that are tender that would receive your word like a seed planted in good soil. God, today we pray that you would give us feet that would walk quickly to do your will. We pray, Lord, that you would make our hands strong, that our work in this world would be like your very own. And God, we pray that from our lips would come the reason for the hope that we have in our hearts. God, this is our prayer in the matchless and the mighty name of Jesus. And we say together, amen and amen. Please be seated. Then he said to another, follow me. We've been talking the last several weeks about following Jesus, and we've looked at different characters in the Bible that teach us something about following him. They've all come from the gospel of Luke, and, and individuals who had come to Christ and invited into what he was doing in the world, and today we have a, a collective group. We have a group of people that teach us something about what it means to follow Jesus. And as Christians, following Christ is the singular most important thing that should preoccupy our hearts and our minds. Sometimes, though, people confuse following Christ 
and volunteering at church. You sometimes feel like the church is trying to, to, to just drum up volunteers. And so when people talk about discipleship or following Christ, they're simply talking about church volunteering. Years ago, a pastor named Tony Mancino said this, the church has a hard time getting people to serve because it never distinguishes between church work and the work of the church. Surely the work of the church is vitally important, and it takes tons and tons and tons of people who love Jesus and love people and want to make that connection to do what the church is called to do organizationally. But that is part of the work of the church. The work of the church is, is larger than just church work. Church work is a crucial and a vital part of it, but it's larger than that. It's the way of the kingdom. It's being transformed by faith in a living Christ. It means living the kingdom of God and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And that happens here on this corner. And that happens in your neighborhoods and at your work. That happens wherever you go. That happens in your homes. That happens among friends. That happens every single place that you live your life. To follow Jesus is not something we can compartmentalize into church life and the rest of my real life. It's something that makes a claim on every corner of our existence. To follow Jesus is to follow Jesus through the world until we see him face to face. And Jesus had been calling men and women to follow him in the gospel of Luke. And people were, were putting their trust in him. And people's lives were being radically changed and transformed. There was a moment in their lives and that moment was Christ. And everything leading up to that moment made sense in light of Christ. And everything after that moment was to be defined and characterized by lordship of Jesus. And he said to another one, follow me. And the spirit of Christ is still at work in this earth calling men and women and boys and girls to follow God. And it was that gracious voice of God that we heard, that we responded to, those of us who name the name of Christ. We follow God because we were called by God to follow. And the Spirit of Christ is yet calling, saying to another one, and another one and another one, one by one, follow Jesus. So for a few moments, I want us to entertain that invitation again. And those of you who can very passionately and with integrity say, I have responded to it and I am a follower of Christ. Today we might want to examine our hearts and see, what is he really talking about when he called us to follow him? Today I pray that we have a little more clarity when we leave, that we have a few uh, little pictures in our mind that might help us understand with a greater depth what it means to respond to the invitation.
to follow me. Today I want to read a a larger passage than just the one I read a moment ago. I want us to read the whole story. And as we go through it, I want us to try to pick out seven evocative words, seven words that might serve as doors that you want to walk through, seven mountains you want to climb, seven words that invite us into the depths of following, following Jesus. Those words are, get these, plow, pray, go, heal, tell, shake, and rejoice. I'll give them to you quickly. You don't have to write them down. We can do them in slow motion later on. But plow, pray, go, heal, tell, shake, and rejoice. As I read the Word of God, see if you can find them. As a game, children, circle them if you hear them. Let's begin reading together verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then Jesus said to him, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs before wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But wherever you go, enter the house and say to them, Peace to this house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near you. And so they go. And in verse 17, they return. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice Because your names are written in heaven. He said to another one, follow me. He said to another one, follow me. He said to another one, follow me and plow. 
Jesus had been talking to people. The first one said, I'll follow you anywhere you go. And he said, hold on, I'll tap the brakes. Are you really sure about this? He said, have you thought this through? God said, let me go and bury my father. There isn't even any indication in this story that his father was sick. He said, let, let me handle affairs. Let me put it all in order. When I got time, I'm like, he, he, he said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom. He wanted them from the very outset, from the moment of their call, to understand that this was, this was a hard call. It, it was an all-encompassing call. It was, a, it was a life call. And he said, you can't put your hands on the plow and turn backwards. You have to put your hands on the plow and look forwards if you are going to follow me. Come and follow me, he said to another. Put your hands on the plow and look forward and plow. Notice Jesus didn't say to them, he who puts his hands on the reaper he said the plow if he had said the reaper they might have gotten really exciting because the reaper shows up when it is time when it is time to pick the corn and to sickle the wheat when it's time to to fill the baskets when it's time to go to market at the end of the process the reaper shows up the plow shows up at the very beginning when the dirt's hard and the seed is in a bag and not in the soil when you're many, many months from the harvest. He was calling them to a process, a process that sometimes would be frustrating, sometimes horrifying, sometimes exhilarating, but he was calling them to the process and he said, put your hands on the plow. My grandfather has a very good friend years ago. His name was Jim Stonky. I got to be friends with his grandson in this city. Way Rutherford is a campus minister uh, at Baylor for RUF, Reform University Fellowship. And when Ray moved to town, we connected. We had some roots going backwards. And our friendship in Waco was over two years old when I found out that his grandfather and my grandfather played nickel poker every Thursday night <laughs> back in Meridian, Mississippi. And at the end, every December, they would take the poker winnings and we would put them out on a, on a Clarion Ledger newspaper and we would roll up those coins and we'd buy fireworks to celebrate New Year's. Uh, but they were good friends. Uh, so they played cards and, and they did work together uh, and they also gardened together. And I remember one time something my grandfather said about a guy he only called Stonky. He said, Stonky loved to gather. He hated to garden, meaning he liked tomatoes, but he hated seven dust in a sock. He liked the reaper. He didn't like the plow. And from the very beginning, Jesus was saying, put your hands on the plow and don't look back. I did a little plowing growing up. But the experience that I had that was most helpful for me in understanding this is I worked the grounds crew for the city of Meridian. Um, I did baseball fields. If I could trade the job with anybody for a week, I would trade the job with the head groundskeeper for Wrigley Field. 
I love baseball. It's a romantic game. There's just something beautiful about the field. Uh, and I was in charge of that red dirt and the grass and the white chalk line. And, and before the games in the afternoons, I'd run the, the chalk down the line all the way from home plate to the outfield. And I learned very quickly, if you put your hand on the chalker and you look back, <laughs> you'd have a lot of arguments about foul and fair balls. <laughs> And there were only two reasons I looked back, and I did from time to time, only to have to start all over again. But there were two reasons to look back, and, and one was to look back at, with pride at your work. The victories of the past, and as soon as you did that, woo! And the other reason to look back was to look at the igloo cooler that was in the dugout <laughs> that housed my Gatorade. The pleasures that awaited back over there. Ray Summer says, basically, those are the only two options when it came to why would you look back with your hand on the plow? You'd look back at your former victory, or you'd look back at the pleasures of the house. And Jesus said to the other one he called, follow me and plow forward. And then he said to another, follow me and pray. Verse 2, he said, pray the Lord of the harvest. Right after he called him to hard, focused, driving work, he called him to pray and talk to God. To remind them that this work was bigger than their best performance. That this work was bigger than their achievement. That this work was grander than their plowing. That this work came from another. One of the things I love about stained glass windows in the sanctuary like this is because every single Sunday, the light comes into this room from the outside. I, I, I mean, we have artificial light that helps out, but if we turned them all off, if the power went off, the sun would still shine through, reminding us that the life comes from outside of us. And Jesus called them on the, the day that he called them. He called them to be people of plowing, but he called to be people that pray. Andrew Root of Luther Seminary said, The church cannot produce its own life. Actually, nothing in the created order can. Everything comes from something else. All life is the result of relationship, and therefore life is fundamentally contingent. You ready for some big-time theology? God is God, A. You are not God, B. We need God. We need God. He said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to plow, but you're going to have to pray. To call on God to do what only God can do as you're being faithful to do what God has called you to do, you need to plow and you need to pray. Today, if you say, I follow Jesus, you're saying, I'm, I'm one who plows ahead with God. And you're saying, I'm a person of prayer who depends on God for life outside of my life because I am a contingent being. He is creator. And I am his created. He said to another, follow me. He said to another, follow me, go. Verse 3, he said, I want, I want you to go. He said, I have a place for you to go. I want, I, I, want, I want you to go ahead to the places that I'm going. I want you to go. The call of God in following Christ takes us out of that which is absolutely and totally controlled and familiar. He sends us. 
John 20, 21, Jesus came in to his disciples and he says, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He's called us to a life on the go. Leslie Newbegin, the great missiologist, said that there were really three spheres or modes or, or buckets, if you will, of, of the going life of God, of the mission of God. He said, this is, this is the work of the church. He said, he said one of those spheres, one of those, one of those modes of mission is the church as an alternative community. That part of our witness to the kingdom of God, part of our witness is being with each other under the lordship of Christ, being a unique community of faith. And that institution, the institution that is Christ, church, the bride of Christ, that we bear witness by being with each other under his reign. That the church is the plan of God. I often joke the church is not the Kiwanis Club with better music. We're not Rotarians at prayer. We are part of an utterly unique institution ordained by Jesus. And being part of the church, going to and gathering with and uniting with the church is a way of being part of the going nature of God's grace. Because the Father sent Jesus, the Father, Son, Spirit, send the church. And we bear witness by being a unique community. The second sort of realm is the organized work of the church to press the, the, the claims of Christ and the deeds of Christ to our neighbors and the nations. Jesus said, go therefore. So we go to church and we hear Jesus say, as we gather in his name, to go therefore. And then the third mode of it is when we scatter, when we go about our life as butchers and bakers and candlestick makers and people who make homes and people who are retired and make neighbors. As we go about our life, Jesus says, as you go, bear witness to my reality. So there's the scattered nature of the church, there's the gathered nature of the church, and there's the church outside of the walls of the institutional church doing the work of God in the world. And all of this is being part of the going of the Spirit of Christ into the world. He calls us to follow. And as He calls us to follow, He sends us. So when we say, I follow Jesus, we are saying, I go to church and I gather with God's people. And we go into our neighborhood and to the world. And we're always part of the family of God. And when I go about my life, I'm going with God. And I'm still part of his work. I'm still part of his witness. He said to another, follow me and go. Verse 9, he said to another, follow me. And, and heal. He said, I want you to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And in this, there was the signs of healing were signs of the kingdom of God breaking into the earth. The great shalom of God, a point of God restoring what was broken because of our sin. And God wants his people to be a healing people. 
to care about people in, in all manner of life. And that healing grace flows into our, into our broken psyches. It flows into our broken relationships. It, it flows into our broken economics. It flows into our, into our broken education. It, it flows into all the places where the, the, the harmony of God has been touched by human sin and rebellion. Bottom line, we can't proclaim the good news and be the bad news at the same time. Following Jesus means we go into the world pointing to his kingdom, being tributaries of his healing grace. J.L. Reeves said years ago, any church that honors Christ as its head will do some good in a community. It's not enough to sing if we're not going to do any good. And it's probably pretty pointless to do good if we're not going to sing. He's called us to heal. He's called us to tell, verse 9. He, he said, I, I want you to say, I want you to say the kingdom of God has come near. As you heal, as you, as you touch in the name of God, I want you to tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. Peter said that we need to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us. The faith has content, and that content must be shared verbally. I love the springtime of the year when the birds fly in and they, they make their nests and they do their bird things. I was watching some blue jays early this morning eating berries off a tree. And I thought, Those are beautiful, beautiful birds. And when I see birds, I think about St. Francis because St. Francis apparently used to preach to the birds. And then I think about his great misquote. People often say Francis said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. The big problem, and I've shared this with many of you before, is he never said that. Never. He never said it. Here's a man who preached to birds and wolves. Of course, he shared the gospel with people. And God wants us to give a reason for the hope within us to, as we go and as we are part of his healing virtue, to be people that tell. To be people to tell. He said to another, Follow me. And tell. Announce. Say, here is the kingdom of God. He said to another, follow me and shake. Shake the dust. Wipe the dust. We get this very odd thing in verse 11 where Jesus says, if you come into a community and you share my message and you demonstrate my kingdom and they turn their shoulders to you, go and wipe off the dust. This is a hard, hard, hard saying. But it helps us to recognize the edge of our own limits. I've been working out in my own in my own mind for many, many, many years the great mystery of, of choice and sovereignty and how all that works. And, and I have some answers that I regularly propose, but it's still something of a deep mystery. But I can't shake the text of Scripture that say, there are those that turn their shoulder to the Christ. And in the face of grace say very emphatically, no. And Jesus wanted his people to be prepared from the very beginning for that so that they would recognize their own limitations not to confuse themselves for God 
and to learn to be both loving and persistent. I've been praying for all of us, 2 Thessalonians 3, 5 this week. You might want to look it up later. But there is this great, uh, this great idea there that may God direct our hearts into the love of God and the endurance of Christ. I have on my desk rhinoceroses from one end to the other. I bought the first one for myself, and then people have been giving them to me as gifts all the years since. I have them there to remind me that one of the greatest principles of leadership is to live like a rhino, to have a thick skin, and to have a big heart. And Jesus lived on this earth with the biggest of hearts and the thickest of skins. And the prayer that God would have us pray is that God would lead us into the heart of Christ, into the love of God, and into the persistence and endurance of Jesus. And we need to recognize in this broken world that there are limits on us, even as we follow God. And the last word, and this is verse 7, the last one, number 7. The last word is this. He's called us to follow him and to rejoice, to be people that celebrate. He said they went off and they came back and they were so excited. They were like kids who just had something cool happen to them. They were like Arnold Horshag in class. Ooh, 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 Mr. Cotter. Let me tell you what happened. They started telling their story. They gave their mission trip story. And they're like, oh, it was like fire and wonderful. And it was like fireworks. And it was shock and awe. And the, and the demons were trembling. And the scorpions were shaking. And it was blah, 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 blah. And Jesus said, maybe he said before, he said all that other stuff, cool. <laughs> but Jesus said, okay, okay, that's, that's, that's fantastic. He goes, look, I, I saw Satan fall. No big deal. <laughs> He said, this is what I want you to celebrate. He said, this is what I want. I want you to rejoice. But I want you to rejoice in the right things. That your names are written in heaven. That your salvation is secure in God. That you are God's and God is yours. And out of that place of grace, this ministry flows. Out of that fountain it flows. Rejoice in that. Follow me, Jesus says, and we'll rejoice together and we'll rejoice forever. Thanks be to God. Seven words worth more of your meditation. Take them with you and pray over them today and this week. But in this moment, hear the voice of Jesus say, come and follow me. If you don't know what that means, but you, you want to know, find me or one of our pastors after the service, or better yet, as we're singing, come down in this place and take my hand and say, I want to understand what that means. Will you help me? Some of you might know what that means and have never made a public profession of your faith. Today, as we sing, would you come? Today, you may be a follower of Jesus, but you're a candidate for a, a step of faith and obedience. He's calling you to something fresh. He's calling you to be part of this church. He's calling you to a place of service. He's, he, he's calling you to come. Will you follow? Will you follow Christ today? And would you start 
as we sing together. Let's stand together as I pray for us. God, we thank you for a chance to be in this room. We thank you for a chance to worship you. We thank you that the voice of the Spirit yet calls, come and follow me. Lord, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would help us to follow, that you would help us to follow with, with passion and joy, that you would help us to follow with uh, resolve and perseverance. Lord, that you would help us to be people that follow in the ways your word instructs us to follow. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us first. We love you in return. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Andy?